Well, good morning and uh, welcome into our uh, worship service. I'm so glad that you're here uh, wherever you are, however you're tuning in. Thank you for, for joining us for worship. My name is Matt and I'm one of the pastors here at FBC. And, and one of our convictions uh, here is that God speaks to us through his word. He's made himself known through scripture. And so uh, every week we uh, take time in our worship service to open up and to study uh, the Word of God and see what God has for us. And so I'm really excited because today we're starting a new sermon series where for the next five weeks we're going to study the book of Ruth, which is found in the Old Testament. And I think uh, you'll be surprised at how, uh, how powerfully God speaks to us today through this book about a couple of widows who lived over 3,000 years ago. So let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll jump in, all right? Father, we thank you for the gift of another uh, Sunday morning where we can sing and pray and worship you. Thank you for your word. We believe that it is uh, inspired. It is from you, God. And so we pray that you would teach us as we open it, as we read, as we uh, seek to learn more about you and ourselves. Would you uh, guide us, Lord? Um, be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 1, so uh, grab a Bible if you have one with you, or if you need to use one over in the chat box, um, there should be a little Bible link you can pull up, Ruth chapter 1. And uh, by now, we're all painfully aware of this reality that we're living in, that we're living in a season uh, that's unlike anything we've been through before in our lifetime. We know how this pandemic has closed schools and sent the economy off a cliff, uh, killed so many and left countless others uh, trapped in their homes, both in our country and throughout the world. And this isn't just a problem that's out there, but it hits very close to home, as, as many of you uh, are dealing with the uh, fallout from this, whether that's just worry and fear in our hearts about the future, perhaps that's uh, illness or medical complications in your life or in your family, uh, perhaps you've lost a job or your uh, economic and financial future is uncertain. We've all felt the effects of this crisis. And when those things happen, it of course makes us ask those bigger questions about life and about God. Where is God in all of this? And if God is good, why is this happening? Why do things look the way that they do? The Bible says that God is good, but in our worry or our pain or our desperation sometimes we, we wonder, is that really true? I want to introduce you to someone this morning who I think can relate with what you might be feeling. Uh, her name is Naomi, and she's a woman who lived, again, over 3,000 years ago in a, a dark era of Israel's history in the Old Testament. And her life once was full and beautiful, but in a series of uh, painful events, her life is drastically emptied of everything that seemed to give it meaning. She's left wondering about some of those same questions that you have today. 
So let's take a look at the book of Ruth and meet our friend Naomi and see how the story unfolds. Ruth 1, uh, verse 1 says this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about ten years, both Mahlon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Pretty tragic start to the book, wouldn't you say? Uh, verse 1, it says that in the days the judges ruled, this is all taking place. This was a period in history that was marked by instability. It was marked by a political and religious unrest. Likely these events taking place somewhere around the 12th century B.C. And we're introduced here to Naomi and her family. Although the book is named Ruth, we'll actually see that Naomi is the primary central character around which the the narrative unfolds and right away we see that Naomi's story is one that is marked by loss it's tragic she loses her home as verse 1 tells us there's a famine and she's uprooted from Bethlehem and has to move to Moab now this is ironic because Bethlehem means something like house of bread but now there's no bread And they have to leave and go to Moab, which was not a place that a godly family would want to be, with a complicated, uh, sinful history and past. So she loses her home, has to move to Moab. Then Naomi loses her husband in verse 3. What does it say? Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. So now she's a widow, but at least she has her sons. But wait, there's more. Verse 5. Both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So she loses her sons. They both died. Now, in the ancient world, this series of events could be a death sentence for Naomi. Women had virtually no avenues in the ancient world to provide for themselves. She's a widow without children now without sons without grandchildren even to take care of her and she can't just go down the street and get a job at chick-fil-a to provide for herself and so her story think about this is a complete dumpster fire it is a disaster think about how how devastating this series of events would be A, a woman who has lost her home she's lost her husband she's lost her sons She's left without the joy of grandchildren. She's vulnerable without any realistic provision for her future. You know, I think now more than ever, we can relate to Naomi's story. It's not identical to our lives today, but but many of us can relate to the feeling of being emptied out by life. We've been emptied. We've lost jobs, perhaps. Or maybe you fear that you'll lose your job in the near future and you're 
certain about your future and your finances. Maybe, again, some of you have lost your health or loved ones recently. Just before the pandemic struck earlier this year, we had uh, two different memorial services at our church where we had to say goodbye to people that we dearly loved. And I've spoken with several others uh, since the lockdown started who had to say goodbye without a, a proper memorial or, or burial. They're grieving in this season. Maybe you feel just wrung out and desperate because of a relational strain in your life. There's pain in, in your marriage. Uh, it needs serious attention. Your kids are in a difficult season. And you can just remember, for again, whatever reason, you can remember a time where, where life was just easier, where life was full, where life was more stable, where uh, the future looked brighter than it does today. And you've been emptied out in some sense, and now you're, you're left wondering, well, what, what does my future hold? Am I going to be taken care of? See, personal tragedy and pain can overwhelm us in a fallen world. And this can all leave us wondering, again, where, where is God? Well, thankfully, Naomi's story doesn't end here in verse Five, we're actually going to start to see as her story unfolds that God is at work in her life still. Look at verse 6 with me as the story continues. Verse 6, it says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. But then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. Verse 11, But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm, I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So we see in verse 6, Naomi uh, packs up to head home, back to Bethlehem. She's heard that God has blessed his people, that God has provided food. So they're heading back. But then, verse 8, she says to her daughters-in-law, go back, stay here in Moab. Return. Your chances of survival are much better in your parents' home without me. Perhaps you can find another husband who will take care of you. But they both say no. And then verse 11, she doubles down and says, you know what? Return home. Why would you stay with me? Like, really? I'm, just go back. Things are not going well for me. Why stay with me? Even if I got married today and had more sons, would you wait around until they grew up to marry them so that we could stay a family? No. So just, just go, Ruth, Orpah, return home, find another family. Verse 14, at this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth, 
clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. So in this scene on the road back, Orpah hears Naomi a second time and says, You know what, Naomi? You're right. I'm out. I'm going back to Moab. Have a good one. But, but Ruth, Ruth, it says, clung to Naomi in verse 14. And we see uh, these incredible, beautiful words of devotion and loyalty that Ruth gives to Naomi. She says to her mother-in-law, where, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. In other words, I will not leave you. And we're struck by this example of sacrificial love. And Ruth amazingly sets an example for us to follow. Think about what this would cost Ruth. She'd now have to leave her homeland of Moab to go with Naomi. She'd leave her parents, her gods. And she's essentially tethered herself to this sinking ship that is Naomi. It's sacrificial costly, loyal love, and it reminds us of the sacrificial love of Jesus. And it's a reminder, as we've talked about before, church, that this is an opportunity, this season we're in, it's an opportunity for us to love others in powerful, tangible ways, to follow the example of Ruth, to let our church family and our, and our, our neighbors know, hey, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Life may have emptied you out, but I'm here. I'm in this with you. Where you go, I will go. We're supposed to love those in our lives with a loyal, sacrificial love. But realize, you're not expected to make this kind of pledge or devotion to everyone. You can't. As we've talked about before, you're not expected to do everything. But you are expected to do something. And so who are those people in your life that God has placed around you? Your family, your friends, your neighbors, those that God might be calling you to say, you know what? Though life has emptied you out, I am here. And I love you. I'm not going anywhere. I also want us to notice in Ruth's pledge of devotion to Naomi, we see the hand of God at work. God's up to something here. And we see as the story unfolds that this moment, this act of loyal love is evidence of God's care for Naomi, even though Naomi can't see it right away, even if Naomi still assumes that God is against her or that God is indifferent towards her. God is working through Ruth to care for Naomi. 
And this gives us a really helpful picture of how God often works in the world. He often works silently. He often works behind the scenes, uh, seeking to restore our hope and our joy through the loyal love of people like Ruth. See, over the years, I've, I've heard plenty of stories, and maybe you've heard stories like this too, of people who, who come to the end of their rope or are in a place of desperation and they cry out in prayer and then something miraculous happens. Right? Like the next day, friends told us, uh, a check showed up in their mailbox for the exact amount of their rent payment that was due. Or, or friends didn't have money to buy groceries and they looked out, their door and found on their doorstep uh, groceries had been delivered to them or, or friends that were in a place of depression or discouragement and in that moment got a phone call or, or a text from a friend, someone who wanted to just encourage them, pray for them, said, hey, I just sense that I should reach out to you right now. Maybe you've heard other stories like that, stories that are miraculous, that, that show that, you know what, God cares about his people. And God lets his people know about that through these provisions. But, but notice in those stories how God gets the message through. He used people. Right? For our friends that got the rent check, someone wrote that check. For our friends that got the groceries, someone dropped off those groceries. Someone made that phone call. Someone sent that text message. So was it God at work? Yes. And did God involve people in the process? Yes. So those realities are not mutually exclusive. And so we see here in the example of Ruth that God wants to show his heart through our hands. God wants to show his heart through our hands. Just like he did with Ruth. And so we're invited to think who in our life has been emptied out? And have we considered the possibility that, you know what, God wants to use you to help them, help them return to a place of fullness. God wants to express his loyal love and care for his people through ordinary people like Ruth, and like you, and like me, who make the decision to love others. We realize in the story that, that Naomi doesn't quite see it this way yet. Even though Ruth has just made this incredible pledge of devotion to her, she still doesn't really see that as God at work. Look at verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So you see in the story, again, Naomi and her family go to Moab. Everybody dies, and then Naomi and Ruth head back to Bethlehem, and they arrive in Bethlehem, and her old friends say, is that... Is that you, Naomi? You, you don't look so good. And Naomi says, you know what? Don't even call me Naomi anymore. I want you to call me Mara. See, Naomi in Hebrew is a word that means something like pleasant or lovely. 
And Mara means bitter. Represents the change that's taken place in her life. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. For God has made my life bitter. And what we see, friends, is that in hard places, in seasons like this of of, of pain, what we really believe about God comes to the surface. See, we might know the the Sunday school answers about God, or maybe we know what we're supposed to say or think about God, but when we're left empty and life has wrung us out, we see what we really believe about God. Is he really good? Is he for us or against us? Is he out to get us or is he just uninterested in our lives? These are the same questions Naomi wrestles with here and the questions that we have to wrestle with today. What do we believe about God in this season? What does Naomi say? What does she think? Verse 21. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So they tell us what you really think, Naomi. She says, life was full, but look what God has done. Verse 20, God has made my life bitter. Verse 21, God has brought me back empty. God has afflicted me. God has brought misfortune upon me. What's the long and short of it? God is against me. And she refers to God in verse 20 and 21, you see, as as the Almighty. Almighty God. In other words, God is powerful, sure. He's God Almighty, sure. But he's not good. And friends, some of us, again, can relate. We're in our pain. We think, you know what? God's against me. God's out to get me. He must not be for me. Because look at how things are crumbling around me. Whether in this season or, or in phases of life before 2020. Or maybe right now you're doing okay, but you see the pain of others, the things that others are going through, and you think, well, it's only a matter of time before things go south for me or where God lets me have it. And you're not really convinced that God is good. So what do we believe about God in hard places? You know, it's possible in painful times to lose our sense of perspective You know, our view of God and our view of reality can become a little bit warped. And I think this is what we see here with Naomi. Think about this. Uh, We can certainly relate, we can certainly empathize with her lament in verse 21. I went away full and I've come back empty. I mean, our hearts go out to Naomi. She's lost so much. She's sort of a, a female Job. She's lost everything. But, but think about this. As she is saying, I came back empty. My life has been emptied out. Who is there standing by her side? It's Ruth. You know, her, her daughter-in-law, Ruth. So Naomi's saying that I've got nothing and nobody. And, and Ruth is there probably overhearing this thinking, um, Naomi, I'm, I'm right here. I can hear you. Does my love mean nothing to you? Think about that. Ruth has just pledged her loyalty and life and death, her devotion to Naomi, to care for her. 
This incredible act of loyal love. God is at work through Ruth, but look, Naomi can't see it. So it's right in front of Naomi. But she still says, nothing of value here, nothing but emptiness. And this shows us, friends, that sometimes we don't need to see different things. We need to see things different. Again, sometimes we don't need to see different things. We need to see things differently. What I mean is, often what we'll say is, well, in order for me to trust God, he has to show me X, Y, or Z. He has to do this or respond in this way. I need to see some evidence, some, some new things. God intervene in some clear ways. Then maybe I'll believe. But the story of Naomi shows us that instead of that, actually, we just need to look around And learn to see things differently. And see what is already there. We have to have eyes to see what God's already doing around us. And so friends, you have the choice. We all have the choice. Will we look around at our lives and and notice the good things and say, you know what? Those are, are evidence of God at work. Or will we say those are things to be taken for granted or just coincidence or God really doesn't care for me. So chances are, as difficult, as painful as this season might be for you right now, God has already sown the seeds of redemption and hope in your life. Look at verse 22. Think about this. When does Naomi arrive in Bethlehem with Ruth at her side? Verse 22 says, So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. The beginning of the harvest. So even though these widows are in a hard spot and they're hurting, and Naomi can't see God's goodness, God is at work. And it's, it's subtle, but the text tells us that the harvest is beginning. So it gives us these echoes of hope that, you know, maybe famine and emptiness here is receding while harvest is arriving while fullness is being restored there's hope here for Naomi and her story and also for the people of God this doesn't quite answer every question this morning does it the text doesn't tell us why God allowed Naomi's husband and sons to be taken from her we don't know the answer Or why has God allowed your circumstances? I don't know. There's so much that we don't know. And so we have to be honest and admit that there are many questions to which we don't have answers. But even in that place where we don't have answers to every question, we can choose to trust that God is good. Pastor Tim Keller said, Trust is accepting what God sends into your life whether you understand it or not. Because we do know what the Bible says about God, that he's good all the time. We do know what Romans 8 says, that God in all things works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. So even if life has emptied us out like Naomi, we can choose to trust that God is good, that God is for us, that God is at work, that our story isn't over. And we can be assured that this is true, friends, because of the cross. 
We can look to the cross of Christ and see that God is eternally for us. Even if our circumstances in this life remain bitter, our eternal life with God is secure. And in the cross we see that God is not indifferent or aloof or ignoring our pain in a fallen world. We see that God actually entered into our pain and our suffering, bearing upon himself the consequences and the weight of our sin, suffering and dying on a cross. And so whatever the answer is to why God brings trials into our lives or why God allows us to go through seasons of emptiness and loss, whatever the answer is, the answer can't be that God doesn't care or that God is uninterested because we see in the cross of Christ that God is eternally for us. He's given eternal life to those who would trust in him. Forgiveness of sins and a new life with God now and forever. Well, communion is an opportunity for us to remember and celebrate this truth that Jesus is for us. And we see in his death and resurrection that he went to the cross bearing our sins so that we might be forgiven. And so we're about to take communion together and encourage you now, if you have those elements in your home, to get them ready. Communion as an opportunity for believers, again, to remember the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Remember the price that he paid for our redemption and for our forgiveness. Uh, The bread element represents his broken body, on the cross, and his, uh, the cup represents his shed blood for us. And this is something that is for uh, believers, for followers of Jesus. And so if you're watching right now and you're, you're not a Christian, you just kind of tuned in, uh, please feel no obligation to participate in this. Uh, this is for people who have put their faith in Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure uh, whether you've done that, I, I would invite you to consider the invitation of Jesus to come, to follow him, to find life and forgiveness and hope, to truly believe that God is for you and he invites you into relationship with him. That includes turning from sin, repenting, uh, and giving your full allegiance and heart to Jesus in faith. So I'd invite you to consider making that decision uh, today. But friends, for those of us that have put our faith in Jesus now, Uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll take the elements. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for uh, your death on the cross for us. Thank you for your broken body and your shed blood that's brought us forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, You've restored us to a relationship with you. and We thank you for that and we praise you and we remember you now. Amen. Well, friends, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Well, Jesus, we remember you today. You are our Savior. You are our King. And there are many questions we don't have answers to. We don't know why certain things happen in this world. But we trust that you are good and the cross, your work, your death and resurrection shows us that you are good. You are for us. You have given us the gift of eternal life. You are kind and loving and gracious. And so we cling to you, Lord, and we thank you for your love and kindness for us. Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us as we continue to navigate this season? We love you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, the the story of Ruth continues with chapter 2 next week, but now we're going to close by singing uh, one last song in worship, and then we'll have the after party on Zoom. I hope to see you there.